Well, won't you stand with me this morning once again as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of Joshua chapter number 3. Looking in the book of Joshua chapter number 3 this morning, we're going to read verse number 4. Joshua chapter number 3, reading, with, reading verse number 4. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go. For you have not passed this way before. Notice that last phrase, you have not passed this way before. Father, I thank you this morning for the incredible, infallible, inspiring Word of God. God, I just pray today, Lord, that your anointing will rest upon, Lord, the message and the messenger, Lord, today. God, I pray that you will help us to challenge your people today. And God, I pray that you will help the people, Lord, to, Lord, to accept the challenge that is before them today. God, may 2016 be an incredible, unbelievable, wonderful year for every one of us in this room today. We look forward to your blessing this year with great anticipation. Thank you for your anointing today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. In Joshua chapter 3, the children of Israel are about to cross the Jordan River. They're about to take possession of their promised land. And Joshua gives everyone detailed and specific instructions as to what they are to do and as to how they are to position themselves in order to inhabit the land that lies in front of them. Joshua says to them in verse number 4, we read it a moment ago, pay attention because you have not passed this way before. The children of Israel were about to embark on some brand new and unfamiliar territory. They were about to experience some brand new experiences. To be faced with a brand new set of challenges and chances. And the better that they were prepared, the better they would position themselves for success. Well, this morning, you and I stand on the threshold of a brand new year. 2016 is in its infancy. It is only three days old. My desire for you is that you would have a stellar year. I don't know what kind of year you had last year, but I'm telling you that, that my desire for you for the coming year is that you will have, have an awesome year. You, you will have an incredible year. You will have a fantastic year. You will have a prosperous year in the year 2016. And my goal today is to prepare you so that you can position yourself for success in 2016. How many believe that you can position yourself for success? I love this kind of this time of year. Now, not necessarily for the weather. I, I don't like cold weather. The reason why I live in Texas. I don't want to be any colder and I don't want to be any hotter, so I live right here. And I love this time of year, not, not, not because of the weather, but I love it because it offers us a fresh start. 
It offers to us a brand new beginning. It offers us a clean slate. A new year brings with it new chances and challenges. Now, there are two admonishments that I want to share with you concerning this upcoming new year. Two bits of wisdom that that if heeded will help position you to enjoy some really positive things to happen both in you and for you in this coming year. The first admonition is this this morning. Leave some things behind. If you want to have success in the coming year, if you want the year 2016 to be a stellar year for you, you're going to have to leave some things behind. And there are two things that I believe that you must leave behind in order to succeed in this new year. Two things that you should not bring with you into the new year. And the first one is last year's sorrows. And all of us have our share of sorrows, don't we? Some seem to have more than others, but but all of us have our share of sorrows. And sorrows come in in many ways, and they come in many forms. And and just a, a very small list could include disappointment, discouragement, disease. It could come in the form of dissension or despair, or even in the form of the death of a friend or a family member. And although none of these things are pleasant, yet they are all a part of life. You see, success in life is not so much determined by what happens to us, but by what we allow to happen in us. Did you get that this morning? Success in life is not so much determined by what happens to us, but but by what we allow to happen in us. And everybody experiences sorrow in their life. And for some, they allow their sorrow to make them bitter. They play the why me game. They wallow in self-pity. For others, they allow their, their sorrows to make them better. They run to the Lord instead of running from Him. They draw their strength from Him. Oh, they become to rely on Him to heal their hurts. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah chapter number 43, book of Isaiah chapter number 43 and verse number 18 and 19, the Bible says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. See, people who dwell on the past don't usually fare very well in their future. Because it's nearly impossible to move forward when your focus is on the past. I have a word for somebody here this morning. You ready this morning? Write this down this morning. Here here is a word for somebody here this morning. Don't allow last year's setback rob you of this year's comeback. Don't allow last year's setback to rob you of this year's comeback. 
If year 2016 becomes all that God wants it to become for you, there are two things that will need, that we will need to leave behind. Two things that we will not be able to take with us into the new year. The first one is last year's sorrows. The second thing is last year's successes. Last year's successes. See, see, it's just as important to leave our successes behind as it is our sorrows. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus tells a story about a very successful farmer. And the Bible said, and Jesus says that one year that this farmer had a bumper crop. He had an extraordinary crop. And his success that year was so great that he decided to retire and spend the rest of his life in luxury and ease. He decided to allow his past to sustain his future. I mean, you know, sometimes we cannot get past our former successes. We try to live off of our former success. I know of a pastor who did this. He developed four years of quality sermons. And then every four years, he would move. He had the sermons. I saw them. He had the sermons in order. Year one. Year two. Year three. Year four. He had developed four years of quality sermons. And at the end of the four years, he would resign that church. He would go to another church and he would start all over again at year one. Living on the past. Living on former success. Only one problem. They didn't taste quite as good reheated. They weren't nearly as rich, repeated, and rehashed. And each and every time he did this, it had less and less and less and less effect. And I remember helping him load up one day after the end of his last four years. A defeated and despondent pastor. His ministry suffered greatly because of it. Here's a word for somebody here this morning. Here's a word for you today. Don't sit on last year's accomplishments. Build on them. Think about this this morning. Think about this. If you could get... Let me start over. Think about this. If you, if you could start where you were and get to where you are. If you could start where you were and get to where you are, where could you get if you start from where you are now? As I look back nearly 13 years ago now at our start and see where we were then and see what we had to start with then and see where we are today. If we could start back there with the little bit that we had and get to where we are today, where in the world could we be? Where in the world should we be? Where in the world should we go? Amen, if we start where we are now. 
I'm giving you two admonitions for the new year. Number one, leave some things behind. Number two, take some things with you. Yeah, you need to leave some things behind, but there's some things that you need to take with you if you are going to be successful and have a stellar year in the coming year. And I want to suggest five things this morning that you need to take with you into the new year. The first one is reflective corrections. You'll understand that here in a minute, hopefully. I'll explain it as we go, but you need to take with you reflective corrections. Corrections. See, this past year brought with it both chances and challenges. And every single one of us had our share of successes, but we also had our share of failures. Here's what I've come to know. We can learn more from the past than from any other way. Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse number 9 says, Never forget what you have seen. Do not let those things escape from your mind and be sure to pass them on to your children and to your grandchildren. And then Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse number 7, it says, Remember the days of long ago. Think about the generations past. Ask Your father, and he will inform you, inquire of your elders, and they will tell you. Two things I think we should do. Number one, we need to sit down and think about the successes and failures of this past year. Literally, we need to sit down with pen and paper and think about the successes and failures of 2015. And we need to make a list of what we learn, both from the successes and from the failures. Now write this down. I'm about to get really deep. I'm, sh- I'm going to get so deep, I don't, think you can ha- many- I don't think you can handle it. How many think you can handle it? I mean, it's deep. The things that you did last year that contributed to your successes, keep doing it. I told you it was deep. And the things that, that contributed to your failures, stop doing it. Duh. The second thing you need to do is this. You need to sit down with older, wiser people and ask questions and then actually listen and pay attention. I remember when I was young in the ministry, I loved to sit down with older, wiser ministers. And especially those who had significant ministry. 
When I would go to a ministry school or a ministry seminar or, 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 or minister's meeting, I, I, I did my best to get around that speaker because usually this was a renowned speaker. Usually this was someone uh, who had done some incredible things. This was a person of success. And I did everything in my power to spend some time with that person. Whatever I had to do to get around them and spend some time with them. I loved to sit at their feet. I loved to buy them a meal. And while they were eating, I would pick their brain and I would ask them questions and I would glean from their wisdom and glean from their experience. I loved it as a young minister. Five things we need to take with us into the new year. Number one, reflective corrections. Reflect on last year. And ask yourself some questions. What what worked for me? What didn't work? What did I do right? What did I do wrong? What did I do this past year that brought me the most fulfillment? What did I do this past year that brought me the greatest harvest? What did I do that caused me problems? What was it that I said? What was it that I did? What Reflect on the successes and failures of the past year and then make proper corrections so that you will have different results this year. Second thing that you need to take with you into the new year is you need to take with you realistic expectations. Realistic expectations. Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 19 says, A hard worker has plenty. He who chases fantasies will end up in poverty. Now I need to be very, very careful here this morning, but I feel in my spirit there's some things that I, that I need to say. See, so much has been written, so much has been preached, so much has been promoted about having a dream. And about going after your dream. And I've done more than my share of preaching and teaching and promoting this concept. And I think there is validity in having a dream. The Bible says that Joseph had a dream. But let me say three things here this morning. About a dream. Number one. Make sure it's God's dream for you. See, see we, we don't need just any old dream, and we don't need a dream that's born out of our flesh and born out of purely human desire. No, we need God's dream. See, somebody said, dream your own dream. No, find out what God's dream is for you. Everybody needs a dream. I believe that. I preach that. I practice that. I believe that. I have a dream. But we don't just need a dream. We need God's dream for us. The reason why I don't chase around all the seminars and always read all the latest books and try to figure out which direction my church is going to go. Because, you know, because, you know, the guy up the road, that's God's dream for him. It's not God's dream for me. That doesn't mean I won't take something from somebody and learn from somebody and improve from somebody and whatever. But listen, I'm not chasing after somebody else's dream. I, I want God's dream for me. Yeah. 
Second thing I want to tell you about dreams is, and that is God's dream, God's dream for us will come packaged with everything we will need to fulfill that dream. How do I tell if it's God's dream or my dream? God's dream for us will come packaged with everything we will need to fulfill that dream. The talent, the ability, the resources, the connections. Now, they don't come to us all at once. But like pieces to a puzzle, they start falling into place over time. See, when I was a kid, it wasn't my dream to be a pastor. Not my personal dream. My personal dream was to be a professional baseball player. And the only thing that kept me from reaching that dream was the talent, the ability, the resources, the connections. I was a pretty good baseball player. In fact, I was MVP on my team, but I wasn't professional material. What separates your dream from God's dream? God's dream will come packaged with everything you need to fulfill the dream. The talent, the ability, the resources, the connections. Amen. Oh, they don't come all at once, but like pieces to a puzzle, they start falling in to place. And let me say this this morning, God's dream doesn't come without a lot of blood, sweat, and tears on our part as well. Third thing I want you to know about a dream this morning. Make sure it's realistic. Now this is where it gets fuzzy. The dream has to be big enough to require faith. The dream, if it's God's dream, the dream has to be big enough to require faith, but not so big that we can't have faith for it. How many got that? Does that make sense? I'm going to say it again. The dream has to be big enough to require faith. Faith. If you can do it all by yourself, if you can do it with your own power, if you can do it with your own strength, it's not God's dream. The dream God has for you goes beyond what you are, of, what you are capable of achieving on your own. Amen? The dream has to be big enough to require faith. But it can't be so big that you can't have faith for it. Because it just blows you away. And instead of enthusing you and infusing you with faith to believe for it, 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 just, it just takes all the faith away because it just is so far-fetched. Now, here's how I operate. Now, you don't have to operate the way I operate, but here's, here's how I operate. Here is how I have always operated. Instead of having a dream for a church of 5,000, I have dreamed of a church of 500. You've got to remember, 13 years ago, we got down to 82 people. And instead of having a dream for a church of 5,000, I have dreamed of a church of 500. Well, guess what? We are knocking on the door of 500, and we have actually walked through the door about five times. 
from 82 to over 500. And listen, listen to me this morning. Listen, get everything I'm saying, not just pick and choose. Once we have crossed that threshold consistently, once we have broken through that 500 barrier for sure and completely, then my dream is going to change. It's not that I have a dream for 500 and once I get 500, man, I can just sit back and I can just relax and I can just enjoy oh, all of the fruit of my labor. No, once I have reached that dream, once I have reached that goal, now it's time for me to dream again. And once we get over that threshold, and I believe it will be this coming year, when we get over that 500 mark once and for all, amen, then I will have a brand new dream and a brand new goal. And I can believe if God can take us from 82 people to over 500, how many believe that God can take us from 500 to 1,000? Here's what I believe we need to take with us in the year 2016. Realistic expectations. Don't live in la-la land. Some Pentecostal and crazy maniacs live in la-la land. Don't, don't, don't live in la-la land. Don't, don't live on Fantasy Island. Don't set unreachable and unrealistic goals because here's what happens when you do. When you do that, unmet expectations tend to discourage us. Now hear me this morning. Please hear everything that I'm saying this morning. I'm not talking about setting the bar low. When you got 82 people, the bar at 500 is not a low bar. I'm not talking about setting the bar low. I'm not talking about being content with the participation trophy. But what? I'm simply saying be, just be realistic. Set your goals beyond human reach. Factor faith in your goal. The only way I'm going to reach my goal is through faith. The only way I'm going to reach my goal is if God enables me and empowers me and helps me. Set your goals beyond human reach. Factor faith in your goals. But don't go beyond faith into fantasy. See, here, listen to me this morning. Listen, you must use the faith that you have before your faith will grow and then you can believe God for more. See, with 82 people, there's no way in the world I had faith to believe for 5,000 people, but I had faith to believe in time. With God's help, we can reach 500 and here we are. God, if you can take us from 82 to 500, where can you take us? Peter said, Lord, I'm willing to die for you. Jesus said, whoa there, big boy. That's a mighty lofty goal you have there. Peter said, Lord, I'll die for you. Jesus said, oh, you don't understand, Peter. You don't even have enough faith to live for me right now. Or the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. 
Hold up, big boy. Need to be a little more realistic. Before you can have enough faith to die for me, you better get enough faith to live for me. And some of you live in fantasy land. And that's why you're so discouraged and despondent and think God has left you down. Because, you know, you've just been very unrealistic. And you've just set these goals and had these dreams that were way beyond. They, you know, they, it, was not, it wasn't faith. It was fantasy. Okay, not every preacher is going to preach this this week. <laughs> I want to live something you can live. Set your goal a little bit more realistic. Five things we need to take with us into the new year. The next one is we need, we need to take with us refined goals. Refined goals. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 25 through 27 says, Look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Don't get sidetracked. Here's what I know, and that is general goals aren't really goals at all. General goals are no goal at all. Because they won't motivate you. Therefore, you've got to set specific goals. You need to set goals that can be measured. See, for illustration, see, don't, don't just set a goal to lose weight. Okay, I'm going to lose weight in 2016. No, set a specific amount of weight that you want to lose. Don't just set a goal to start reading your Bible more consistently. I'm going to read my Bible more consistently. That's my goal in 2016. I'm going to read my Bible more consistently. No, that just might mean twice in the year. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Be more specific. And set a goal and say, I want to have personal devotions at least five days a week. Don't just say, you know, here's my goal. I want to start saving and investing for retirement. No, no, no. Say, I'm going to save and I'm going to invest X amount of money out of every single paycheck. Set specific goals and then make yourself accountable to somebody. Give somebody permission to ask you how you are doing in this area and have them do it periodically. Kind of scary, huh? See, and, and the reason why is because this is, what, this is what I know. People don't do what's expected. People do what's inspected. People don't do what's expected. They do what's inspected. All right, notice the fourth thing we need to do. Fourth thing we need to take with us into the new year. If we're going to have a successful new year. Fourth thing we need to take with us, reliable allies. Reliable allies. I know I preach a lot about this because it's so important. Relationships will make you or they'll break you. So be very, very careful who you allow into your circle of influence. Now, love everybody. Love everybody. Be kind to everybody. But not everyone has the right to speak into your life. Be very, very careful which voices you listen to. Align yourself with people whose voice rings true in your spirit and voices that say what the Word of God says. Write this down this morning. The voices you you constantly hear 
are the voices you will eventually heed. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse number 20 says, one of, and this is one of my life verses, and it says, walk with the wise and you'll become wise. But if you associate with fools, you'll get into trouble. And 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 32 says, bad company will corrupt good character. Let me tell you, let me tell you by experience, as a pastor, I have seen this time and time and time and time again. I've watched people begin to change after they started hanging out with certain people. Like begets like. It really, really does. All right, notice real quickly this morning, the fifth and last thing we should take with us into the new year. If we're going to have a successful new year, and this one is huge. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's the big one. It's the big one, Elizabeth. (laughs) What should we take with us? A regulated routine. Regulated routine. See, we become what we habitually do. Set your routine based on your priorities. Because there are so many things that pull on us and demand our time. Work, church, family, friends, hobbies, chores. And it's very, very easy to get so busy doing good things that we have absolutely no time to do the great things. Here's your homework assignment this morning. I need you to sit down and write out a list of your priorities. You need to sit down and write out a list of your priorities. What is most important to you? What gives you the most satisfaction? What produces the greatest return? What does the Bible say I'm supposed to be doing? With my time. See, see, if we don't prioritize our time, most of our time will be wasted on non-essential and non-productive activities. Daniel chapter number 6 and verse number 10 says that Daniel opened his windows and prayed three times a day. Notice the next phrase, just as he had always done. What does that tell me? That tells me that Daniel had a regulated routine. And the psalmist said in Psalm 61 and 8, he said, I will sing praises through your name as I fulfill my vows each day. What is it saying? It's telling us that David had a regulated routine. And Luke chapter 4 and verse 16 says that Jesus went as usual. Say as usual. Jesus went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. What is that telling us? It is telling us that Jesus had a regulated routine. You see, I've discovered that most of life is habit. Where we go, what we do, who we hang out with, what we wear, what we say, what we eat. 
Five years ago, I lost 50 pounds. When people stopped calling me Brother Benson and started calling me Blubber Benson, I thought, I need to do something about this. And I discovered that much of the reason as to why I had gained 50 pounds and why I was carrying around 50 pounds that didn't need to be carrying around, I discovered that I had gotten into the habit, bad eating habits, I wouldn't take a brain surgeon to figure that out, but. And I'd gotten into the habit of eating anything I wanted anytime I wanted it. Some of you understand that habit. Or even if I didn't actually want it, if it was available to me, I ate it. The only way I was going to lose 50 pounds, and the only way for sure I was going to keep the 50 pounds off after I had lost it, because see, I've lost 30, 40 pounds about four times in my life. I have a problem pulling weight off, keeping it off. Well, I discovered if, you know, if I'm not only going to take this weight off, but I'm going to keep it off, I'm going to have to change my habits, my eating habits. And so I did. I changed my eating habit. Today, if I'm not hungry, I don't eat. I don't just eat because it's time for breakfast. I don't just eat because it's time for lunch. I don't just eat because somebody hands me something to eat. If I'm not hungry, I don't eat. Most of the time. (laughs) I changed my eating habits. I eat off of a smaller plate. I still get a full plate, but it's not this big anymore. Literally, I eat off a smaller plate. I eat less than half of what I used to eat. And I don't go back for seconds. So if I'm eating at your house, I don't ask for seconds. It's not that your food's not good. I just, you know, sure, I break, everybody breaks their rules here. I'm just telling you what I do most of the time. I don't go back for seconds. If it tastes good, I spit it out. (laughs) I really don't do that, but I almost do that because I've got a rule. If I put something in my mouth and it just, you know, if it just doesn't, you know, if rockets don't go off, you know, because it's so good... I'm done. I'm thinking, why in the world am I going to put that 50 pounds back on eating something that's just okay? Hey, come on now. I know we're, I'm going somewhere. I changed my habits. I don't go by the donut shop every morning on my way to work like I used to. Listen, when they know you by name and know your order, when you walk in the door, you're going too much. (laughs) And these nice people at the donut shop wouldn't just give me the cinnamon roll that I got every single morning on my way to church to work, but they'd stuff in some little donut holes and maybe even another donut you understand? I don't need this cinnamon roll, let alone all the other stuff. 
I've changed my habits. I don't eat till I'm full anymore. I mean, oh, if you eat till you're full in 15 to 30 minutes, you're going to be over full. If you eat till you're over full in 15 to 30 minutes, you are going to be miserable. I discovered two things. I discovered that I don't like to be hungry. It doesn't feel good to be hungry, but you know what? I don't like it when I'm over full either. I don't like it when I'm, when, when I'm stuffed and I'm, I'm over full and I'm lethargic. I don't like that feeling either. So I decided I'd just find some place in the middle of these two. Amen. Welcome to Weight Watchers this morning. Habit. Habit. My advice to you today concerning the new year includes this. Take with you a regulated routine. Establish some new habits. Establish the habit, amen, of some quiet time with God. Establish the habit. Make yourself a goal, amen, and make it specific and say, hey, at least five times out of the week, give yourself a little bit of room there, but at least five times out of the the week, I'm going to find some time to read some of the Word of God. I'm going to find some time to get on my face and talk to God. I'm going to find some time, amen, for devotion. I'm going to put some good things in my life. A regulated routine. I'm not going to be like I've been in the past where I say, well, I wake up on Sunday morning and decide whether I'm going to go to church or not. Depending on the weather, depending on when the, when the cowboys are on TV, depending upon if I have company or not, depending on how I feel. No, no, no. No, develop a regulated routine and say, you know what, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord and we're going to go to the house of the Lord. And on Sunday morning, whether it's rain or shine, amen, I'm going to go to the house of the Lord. If I've got people in my house, I'm going to invite them to the house of the Lord. If they don't want to come with me, I'll tell them I'll be back in about an hour and a half. Amen. Establish some new habits. Amen. I'm going to tithe this year. I'm not going to decide if I tithe based upon the balance in my checkbook. No. No, I'm going to put God first. Amen. I'm going to honor God with the tithe. I'm going to be generous with God in the offering. Amen. And before I give myself anything, I'm going to give God what I owe Him. And then I'm going to show God how much I love Him. I'm going to give Him something just because I love Him. Amen? My advice to you concerning the new year includes this. Take with you a regulated routine. Establish some new habits. And make sure those habits are in line with your priorities. And make sure those habits are in line with God's Word. Can we get the musicians and singers back this morning? I'll say that again this morning. Make sure those habits are in line with your priorities. And make sure those habits are in line with God's Word. The takeaway for the message today, we are deciding today what kind of year 2016 will be. Say, Pastor, we can't do that. Yes, we can. Yeah. We are deciding today what kind of year 2016 will be. Listen, we cannot determine what will happen to us, but we can determine what will happen in us. I can't, I, can't, I can't determine 
whether I'm going to be sick or healthy this year. But I can determine how I'm going to face it if it does come. Amen? I can't determine whether everybody falls in line with my vision and we move right on and, man, just, see, just keep going this next year and see great things happen. Or if, if a few people buck and pull back and walk, I can't determine what will happen to me, but I can determine what's going to happen in me. And as I determine what's going to happen in me, I decide what kind of year I'm going to have. Let me close with this this morning. A wise plan, properly executed, will produce a positive result. A wise plan, properly executed, will produce a positive result. Let's position ourselves for success in the year 2016. Let's set ourselves up for a stellar year. Amen? Stand with me this morning. Father, I love you today. I worship you today. God, I praise you today. God, I thank you for my past. God, you you are God of the past. You were with me in, in, in the past. I thank you. God, in some ways, Lord, as in an all around way, perhaps 2015. I think we could say it was the, probably the best year ever for this church. And I thank you for that, God. I thank you and I praise you for it. But God, I, I refuse to live off of last year's success. I refuse to sit back and relax and kind of just enjoy the fruit of the labor of the past. Rather, I choose... To build on what we already have. And God, if you could take us from where we were to where we are today. What could you do for us if we start from where we are today and build on that? God, I pray, Lord, that everyone will accept the challenge today, Lord, to leave some things behind. And take the right things with them into the coming year.